You will have heard the expression, I'm sure, many a true word spoken in jest. Uh, I'd like to add another such expression. Many a true word is spoken as a contemptuous sneer. And that's certainly true, isn't it, uh, in this very familiar account uh, as uh, they gathered around the Lord Jesus to hear him. uh, And we read the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. I wonder if you notice this as you read the Gospels, that actually some of the most precious things that we love, especially about our Lord Jesus, were first spoken by his enemies. There's one occasion where they're comparing the Lord Jesus with John the Baptist. John the Baptist out there in the desert uh, and living on what he can forage, locusts and wild honey. By contrast, the Lord Jesus is eating normal food uh, 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 and with normal people uh, and they complain about him then and they see this man is the friend of sinners is that not the most wonderful thing you ever heard Jesus Christ the son of God is a friend of sinners you count him as your friend you're truly blessed this morning there was another occasion a familiar story of Zacchaeus this little man who uh, wanted to see the Lord Jesus, but he was, he was too small to see over the crowd, so he climbed into a tree, and his, I think, probably horror at the time, the Lord Jesus stops beneath the tree, and Zacchaeus, you come down. Uh, I'm coming to your house tonight. And immediately they start to complain. Uh, he's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the beloved guest. Quite wonderful, isn't it? Uh, And it's what you get here too. All the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him. Pharisees and scribes complained, this man receives sinners and eats with them. You might ask the question, why are they so contemptuous about the Lord Jesus? What, what is it that arouses this attitude in them to complain about him? Why is that? Uh, I mean, after all, uh, he came out of Nazareth, a fairly backwards part of the country. He didn't come with a sword. He didn't come raising an army. He didn't come preaching politics. He didn't come to start a revolution. Uh, He came and he went into their synagogues and he just preached the word of God to them. And then, uh, in amazing compassion, he healed many of their sick. All this was happening around him during those three years of his ministry. Uh, And what is it in that then that arouses such feelings on the part of those who are hostile to him? Why should they treat him like that? Uh, And why is that true not only of him but of all his followers ever since I mean a particular example of that just just recently this lady who is wanting to become to take Nicola Sturgeon's place but who's publicly and openly confessed her faith in the Lord Jesus 
And immediately, the, the, the backs of the enemies of Christianity are, are up, aren't they? Uh, and, and they say this, this faith that this lady has professed is going to hinder her ability to lead the Scottish National Party. But nobody, nobody says the same, do they, about our Prime Minister, who is a devout Hindu, uh, and, uh, um, and start to suggest how, how can he perform his duties because of his religion. Nobody says that about him. Why say that about her? What is it? What is it that arouses people's anger to such a degree? Why is it that these same scribes and Pharisees who are complaining now this man receives sinners and eats with him, why is it that not too many weeks down the line they're going to be howling out, crucify him? We want him done away with. What is it? Well, it is actually, if you stop to think about it, uh, a wonderful authentication, isn't it, uh, of the truth of what we believe. Um, because if we were of no account, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, you know if, if it's just a fond illusion that we have, some sort of pipe dream, some sort of cuckoo uh, idea that we have, um, then, then why not let's just get on with it? It's not going to hurt anybody, is it? Let us get on with it. There are plenty of cranks in the world. If we're just cranks, well, let us be cranks. There are some people, would you believe, who still believe that the earth is flat. Uh, uh, and they have a society, the Flat Earth Society. And they have meetings. <laughs> Nobody gets angry with them. They just say, oh, poor cranks, poor fools. Why do people get so cross about Christianity and Christians? Why do they get so cross about the Lord Jesus Something to encourage us there, I think. What we believe must have some truth in it, and they instinctively recognize that, and they react against it, as we all did at one time, because there is something in our nature which is hostile. Hostile to the idea of a creator has given us life, and therefore to whom we're accountable. Uh, and, and so this unreasoning, irrational feelings of anger arise and so they can't wait. They can't wait to persecute Christians. Well, that's what happened, of course, to the Lord Jesus. And there is a strange comfort in it, as I say. The opposition actually underlines the truth that we profess. So, here they are then, the scribes and the Pharisees. This man receives sinners and eats with them, and the consequence then uh, are these three lovely stories. We're very familiar with them. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost boy. But I just want us to look uh, more closely uh, at this verse, Luke 15, verse 2. Uh, and, and this contentious sneer, this insulting comment from 
the scribes and the Pharisees, this man receives sinners and eats with them. All the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him uh, to hear him. How could they do that? Well, the answer is quite straightforward. They could do that because he was there. He was in their midst. This is the one through whom the worlds were made. This is none other than the Prince of Glory himself. And here he is amongst men and women. And and recognizable as a man because he assumed our humanity. And he remains truly God and truly man. Uh, And he's in their midst. He's here. As we remembered earlier in our first hymn, Emmanuel, God with us. God in our world. You know, sometimes I just try and think about this and, you know, the astronomers tell us there are trillions upon trillions of stars in our universe. They, they actually can't uh, number them up accurately. There's so many. And here's this tiny little speck of rock <laughs> travelling around the sun that we call planet Earth. And this is the place God Almighty chose to come to. And it wasn't as if it was perfection when he came, far from it. It was a fallen world and it was full of men and women who are sinners. Uh, and, And that's our world today. And this is the world God chose to come to. Almighty God, in the person of Jesus Christ, in our world. Staggering, isn't it? (laughs) So, the simple answer to the question, how is it that they were able to gather and hear him, simply because he was there, he was accessible. And surely then, my friends this morning, what more encouragement do you need to come to the Saviour, because he who was here then physically is with us spiritually still. I don't pretend to understand this mystery, how he can be in heaven at the right hand of God and be here amongst his feet, except it is a spiritual thing. And the Holy Spirit makes it real, and that is part of his ministry, to take the things of Jesus Christ and make them known to us. And he is at work here this morning, the Holy Spirit, and he's at work in your heart. And he, if you will let him and open your mind to him, will point you, not to himself, but to Jesus Christ. So you can come to him. You can. You can draw near to him, just as they did. And you can hear what he has to say. Sometimes, I suppose, we, we can be a wee bit foolish here, can't we? Uh, and, and we read these Gospels and we think of the Lord Jesus there physically in that midst and you think, oh, I just wish I could actually have been there. You know, with these eyes in my head to see him and with these ears that I've got to hear what he has to say. How, how, how blessed are they for that privilege? And if only it were like that. But uh, here, you know, is somebody I can't see, not physically, and whose voice I can't hear physically. Uh, and, and we feel maybe that we're 
and I'm missing out on something. And yet, if you stop to think about it, if, in fact, the Lord Jesus had not ascended back into heaven, into glory, and had remained here physically, then that would mean that you, if you wanted to meet with him, if you wanted to see him and speak to him, well, you'd have to get down the travel agent and you'd have to book yourself a flight somewhere because son of God though he was in his humanity only being one place at one time uh, and so you would have to go to where he is uh, and the amazing truth is you don't have to do that <laughs> to come to him you don't have to move a physical muscle <laughs> to come to him it's just that in your heart you, you draw near to him and you hear him speak. And the words he said, you hear them from my lips, but they're not my words, they're his words. Uh, I wouldn't dare to come and stand in front of you and tell you what I think. But he speaks still with the same gracious words of invitation. Come unto me, all you that labor. And a heavy day, and I will give you rest. <laughs> come and drink of the water of life freely. If any man thirsts, let him come. When he says that, all that he says it still. You can come to him. <laughs> there, there are some distinct disadvantages uh, in being a child of the manse, which I was. So my dad was also my pastor. And there was this one occasion, a Sunday evening service. I, I, I don't know exactly how old I was. I think maybe about seven or eight. I was sat in the back row. Uh, and, well, I was just a boy, you know. And I, I, I don't think I, I was messing about or anything. Um, but, but suddenly, my dad spoke from the pulpit... And he said, John, oh dear, what have I done now? What's all this about? John, he said, come here. Well, what, what could I do? I, I got up and trembling, came down the aisle and stood in front of the pulpit where my dad was looking down at me and I thought, what's going to happen now? Uh, and he said, John, why did you come? How was I going to answer that? There's only one answer. Dad, you told me to. Exactly. That's the point he wanted to make to his congregation. You come because he tells you to. You come because he invites you to. And you can come where you are and he will speak to you. And he will invite you to know his rich blessing, the forgiveness of sins that he gives because he died for sinners and that you can come and know him and you will know that he loves you and you know that he always keeps his promises and you know that one day, yes, you will have that physical sight because he said, I'm going to prepare a place for you and I'm going to come back again.
And when I do, I will take you to be with me where I am. And he says that still, says that to you this morning. And you can come and you can enter into the same rich blessing that these tax collectors and sinners entered into. And you can hear him speak these lovely stories about things that were lost and were found. And you can know yourself to be a found person. And you can go away with a heart lifted up full of rejoicing. That's how they were able to hear him. Uh, And that truth about that particular occasion encourages us also to come to the Saviour. And we can come. Because as his enemies said, this man receives sinners. I want you to notice then, secondly, um, the company he desires. You need to know something about the culture of those days. I'm sure this may be fairly familiar ground to most of you, but uh, it was a very stratified society in the first century uh, in that land, and 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 you know, there were the, those who were at the top, if you like, uh, of the social tree, uh, and that they were the religious leaders. That they they were the people who studied the Word of God. It would be the, what we call the Old Testament for them, uh, and they were teachers of the law, uh, and they were very strict, very often in their outward behaviour. Uh, and they consider themselves a cut above everybody else. And then um, there, there were, I suppose, the middle group, ordinary folks, <laughs> middle classish, like, like, like most of us, I suppose. And then at the bottom of the pile, there were sinners and tax collectors. And in, in their eyes... Uh, a, a sinner was, well, these ladies who sold themselves um, or uh, those who gathered in their criminal grang, gangs to, to, to consider stealing and robbing and so on and so forth. They were the sinners, those sort of people. And then along with that, strangely, tax collectors, which um, is a bit... Strange to us, nobody likes paying their taxes, but uh, I hope you don't think of tax collectors in the same way as these scribes and Pharisees did. But, but the truth was, and uh, again, I, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but the tax collectors worked for the Roman authorities. It was an occupied land. Uh, and these proud, proud Jews, they hated that. So anybody who worked for the Romans was a collaborator uh, and, and, and people were bitterly hostile to them. Uh, and, and, and as a consequence, you know, to survive, I suppose, the tax collectors got by by stealing and so cheating and so on and so forth. So it got even worse for them, didn't it, in the eyes of the general population. Tax collectors and sinners. 
These were the people who were at the very bottom of the pile. And, and, and these were the ones, amazingly, that the Lord Jesus, in his coming and in his earthly ministry, he, these were the ones whose company he particularly sought. That's what really got up the noses of these Pharisees and these scribes and these teachers of the law. This man receives sinners. Look at them. The riffraff of society, the outcasts of society, the scum. And there he is in the midst of them. And they're all gathered around him and they listen to him and every word that he speaks. I picked up a, a, a new commentary on Luke's Gospels some months ago. Uh, and um, there's a delightful little story in there about a young woman called Edith. Edith. Well, she had no interest in spiritual things whatsoever. But nevertheless, you know, she felt her life was empty and meaningless. Uh, and one Sunday evening, for some reason, she decided she would just go down to the little chapel down the road uh, and just see what they got up to, really, trying to find something in her life. And she went, uh, and the, the preacher was reading this very chapter. But he was reading it from the old version, the 1611 version. And so he read, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Okay? But she misheard it. And what she heard was, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And, and, And it suddenly dawned on her. This man... Receive sinners, and I am amongst that number. Edith with them. But he received sinners <laughs> like me, and she was converted. Pretty little story, isn't it? My friends, this, what this means is, if you are willing this morning to put yourself in that category, sinner, then... The Lord Jesus will receive you. Now, I, I, I know it's something that might just go against the grain a wee bit, because we, we know all about sinners, don't we? Uh, we? We know all about the wicked men of our world <clears throat> who get up to all sorts of atrocities. Putin, he's a sinner. And so on, you can soon make up a catalogue of those that we would think are sinners and it goes against a bit our pride to actually put ourselves in that grouping but the truth is if you are prepared to do that then what the scribes and the Pharisees said with a sneer is gloriously and wonderfully true this man receives sinners uh, and the truth is that therefore you've got to put yourself in that category. If you're willing to do it, if you would have any expectation that you might know the Lord Jesus. And, and that's what you get in these stories, isn't it, of course? <laughs> Lost. 
found here, particularly in the story of the lost son who was alienated from his family and his father but came to his senses, came back and was received, welcomed with rejoicing. This, my son, was dead and he's alive now. That's the company the Lord Jesus seeks. Uh, and, and he does so with, with great earnestness. So then, if you could bring it in yourself to acknowledge that, that uh, you are a sinner, then you know that he will welcome you this morning. Uh, and and third is the relationship he promises because they say this man receives sinners and eats with them eats with them that that they are absolutely horrified absolutely horrified there's another story in Luke's gospel isn't it about a lady who um, Jesus was in the, in the home of Simon the Pharisee and they had out in the open very often uh, and this lady joined herself to this group and she then bathed the Lord Jesus' feet with her tears. We, we, we don't know what her name was except that she was a sinner and I think we could read into that that she was a woman of the streets. She was a sinner. And, and Simon well, and, and his company are absolutely horrified. Look, this man claims to be a prophet. He's let her do that to him. What a story, isn't it? He is delighted. He is delighted when uh, those who humble themselves before him are, are, are ready to bring themselves to him and he loves to have their company and he will eat with them. Uh, and, and that's a bit special, isn't it? Because, um, you know, uh, um, to, to, to have a meal with somebody is a, it's a sign of fellowship, isn't it? it, it it's, it's, it's a lovely thing, isn't it? When a family gather together and have a meal together, it's relaxed, it's comfortable. Everybody's at ease in the company because you're sharing a meal together or with friends. Come round and uh, ha- have a, a meal with us. It's, 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 it's a delightful picture, isn't it? And this is what the Lord Jesus wants with you if you will come to him. Behold, he says, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will dine with him and he with me. Uh, On that Passover evening, uh, as they gather disciples and the Lord Jesus together, Jesus says, with desire, I have desired to eat this meal with you. I want your company. 
and still so he speaks. Uh, That's what Lazarus and after he'd been raised from the dead enjoyed with Mary and Martha tells us in the scriptures that uh, they shared a meal together. (laughs) It's where the Lord Jesus loved to be in that company and still he desires that. And, and it's, a, it's a wonderful picture of heaven too, isn't it? Because uh, one of the depictions of heaven is uh, the, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. Where bride and bridegroom come together uh, for all eternity. And the invitation goes out, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I think that's a lovely way to think about heaven. Just to be in the company of the Lord. Because that's what he wants. That's what he desires. He wants you. He wants you to be with him. This man receives sinners. Do you know, I think that statement, that one statement, (laughs) is... uh, such a wonderful summary of the gospel, isn't it? This man receives. It should be written, I'm overstating things here, should be written across the front of every pulpit. <laughs> should be emblazoned across the walls. <coughs> this man receives sinners. It should be proclaimed throughout the whole land, throughout the whole world. This man receives Sinners, it should resound through the universe. But it doesn't, sadly, because it's a fallen world. But it resounds in your ears this morning. His words, not mine. This man receives sinners. So you can come. Uh, And... Uh, and and it's, it's the joy in heaven over repenting sinners. He draws near and you can come and come again. And I know, I know that for many of you it's something you did some time in the past. Maybe many years ago you came then. I don't know what it is about us to think that somehow that one experience, however it happened is something that we don't need to do again. Because we did it the once. We came and received the forgiveness of sins as he promised. And the Holy Spirit was at work and and so we were converted. We were born again. Because we came to him. We, we, We humbled ourselves before him. We came in penitence and in faith. And we found that he kept his promise. He did indeed receive us. But that was then. (laughs) Why is it ever that we think we don't need to do that again? You've got no sins to be forgiven then? Uh, You've got no fears and anxieties that don't need to be relieved? Uh, All gone, is it? Because you did that X many years ago? We're always in need to be drawing near to him, to coming to him. And we come. Because we know he receives sinners. It may be that you've never come. I don't know. 
Because I don't, I don't know all about your lives. Maybe you've never come. Why not come now in your heart? Um, it be. There will never be a better time. <laughs> Why not come and go away rejoicing and heaven rejoicing over you? Because here is one who out of sheer compassion and love and grace wants you to come to him and to meet with him and to share with him because that's what he does. That's what he does. Amen.